Detachment is not the absence of emotion. It is the process of becoming one with the oneness that is the universe. To be detached is to realize that the fullness of all there is is too much to react to with just one emotion, one thought, or any bias. To be detached is to acknowledge all without owning any of it. To be detached is to summon forth the whole entirety of understanding and embrace the void. I find this void quite calming, actually. It's like, this time the Xanax took me. Your sense of self is crumbling and it's taking the void down with it. It's like I'm in a black void, trying to reach the new story. This concept of morality is a very interesting human characteristic. What is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, what you can taste and see. Warning, this podcast contains foul language, dark invocations, and treating women like their people. Welcome, friends, to episode 118 of Embrace the Void, where folks can somehow say that Trump cares about corruption and not be struck by lightning. I am your host, Aaron, and my guest this week is weirdly synchronous, uh, as it's another Aussie athlete promoting healthy communities and social awareness, uh, in this case through the study of parkour. I realize politics has taken a bit of a backseat in the show as the format has evolved some, um, but I just want to say that's not because politics has gotten any less important or any less voidy. I'm just honestly at a loss for what to say about it beyond reiterating that we are in the midst of a world historic epistemic crisis, and I'm not at all optimistic that we're going to pull out of this death spiral. Um, so that said, I'm going to keep bringing on good people who are trying to help us level out the plane, and uh, we can all hope for good luck together. So with that, let's get hopping. My guest this week is Kel from Melbourne in Motion, a parkour group encouraging healthy values and healthy lifestyles. Kel, would you like to say hi to the void? Hello, void. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for reaching out. I'm happy to chat with you about stuff. So do you want to start maybe by giving folks a little bit of info about yourself and how you got interested in parkour? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yep, my name's Kel. i currently living in Melbourne and running a parkour organization here. I've been uh, training parkour for years and years now, and I... I uh, also have a background in the arts that's kind of related. Um, so my kind of origin story, I guess, is uh, years and years mm. ago, I had quite a traumatic dislocation of my shoulder. And uh, at the time, I was doing a lot of sculpture and uh, it was sort of terrifying to me, this this idea that I wouldn't be able to use my body in the way that I wanted to. And I eventually got so afraid of dislocating my shoulder again that I I stopped uh, doing anything that would, would cause what I thought was a risk. Uh, and after a while, I, I realized that's no way to live. So 
I eventually started uh, reaching around for various various physical things I could do to get my my confidence back and and stumbled across parkour and that was the one that stuck yeah so so that makes sense um and so you found that like parkour was a good way to to get yourself back into your body in that kind of way yeah absolutely and uh because it's so uh, personal there's no other team there's no other there's no opponent um you don't Mm -hmm. face uh risks from from that uh, side of things it, and it really does become just about a way to understand exactly what's going on when you feel fear or when you uh, perceive risk that it that mm-hmm. it was the perfect way for me to to understand how my body was um was talking to me i suppose and do you want to just explain sort of how you see parkour a little bit i feel like it's amongst the sort of more often i guess not not well thought of or not necessarily like like misunderstood or maybe it's got a lot of misconceptions around it as a concept. It really does. And a lot of the work that we do is about overcoming those misconceptions or, or uh, challenging them at the least. So, uh, Mm um, parkour is a, is a broad church and has a lot of, uh, ways that, that it's thought about and understood. Uh, it's probably different for every person that does it. Uh, a stock standard kind of textbook definition would be a means uh, to train the body to overcome obstacles in any given terrain. Or another one you hear a lot is um, training to get uh, from A to B in the most efficient means possible. Mm-hmm. A lot of those more nuts and bolts definitions don't get to why people do it. And a lot of that has to do with the fact it is about reconnecting with your body and it is about um, understanding the city around you. Um, doesn't have to be the city, mm-hmm. of course, but understanding your own environment. Uh, so I guess parkour for me is about connection uh, and about, um, I suppose, a, a mental connection as well as a physical one with your with your surroundings. Yeah. Do you want to maybe describe a little bit like what a what a parkour activity event would feel like or, or what, what sort of events that y'all sometimes do? Yeah, sure. We have uh, lots of classes that we run and they're more structured and often they have a um, maybe a drilling uh, component as well as ways to strengthen the body, which is a really important part of parkour training to avoid and minimize injury. Uh, you also mm-hmm. have jams. Uh, which is a much more informal uh, means of training. That's kind of just the getting together with your friends uh, and playing, which is another really important part of parkour because there's so few opportunities in, uh, you know, grown-up society for playing, for just Mm -hmm. exploring without a goal or without a... um, a need to win. Yeah, I saw that play was at the top of y'all's values list, which um, we've we've talked about the the importance of play at sort of previous points um, on the show. Um, and it certainly seems like it's an interesting one, and in that it's an intersection of like the undervaluing of play and also like the social awkwardness of engaging in activities like this in public spaces. So the overcoming of that Absolutely. is a kind of 
you know, pushing back on the, uh, you know, what you have to be like as a grown up kind of way of seeing the world. Yeah, uh, you do get a lot of stares, and that's part of um, part of training. I think uh-huh. it's. Uh, I mean, so much of our behaviour in in cities and as grown ups is is tightly controlled, and if you step outside of that, mm-hmm. um, in any any sort of way, you're. Uh, the, you know, the very least you get is funny looks. So I think mm-hmm. enjoying that and not um, not buying into the idea that you have to be a grown-up all the time is is a really important um, part of living and um, parkour is a way to do mm-hmm. that. Uh-huh. But you mentioned drills too, so there yeah. is at least some structure to it. So like what kind of things do you drill on? Yeah, um, well, there's uh, so there's a certain number of base skills that uh, that – you can use as kind of building blocks to, um, you know, build up your roots and build up the way that you approach any given problem. So you, you always have to drill landings. That's our basic skill. And we land in a particular way to avoid mm-hmm. uh, impact, you know, cumulative, cumulatively causing damage to the body. Uh, and you'll drill jumping, you'll drill climbing uh, and the various mm-hmm. vaults. There's sort of three main families of vaults that you'll you'll drill uh, and of course any person who's been tr- training for a long time will have a, a big component of uh, strength and conditioning to their training because as I said um, there is a lot of impact that you can take and if you don't mm. build up your body in uh, a responsible way to protect yourself you can be opening yourself up to injury so there's a lot of um there's a lot of strengthening that is really important for longevity because uh, longevity is is one of the sort of um base principles of parkour yeah. as well um we do train so that we'll be training for the rest of our lives uh and that's that's one of the misconceptions that we often have to face like you said before um mm. parkour is seen as a as a um, risk-taking activity when actually I believe the opposite is true. It's seen as something for, mm. for adrenaline junkies when actually we spend a lot of time uh, preparing our bodies and, and training in responsible ways so that we'll be training, you know, forever. Yeah, I mean, um, a guy I know out in Colorado who is probably one of the most impressive Tai Chi people that I've worked with in terms of like just commitment to doing that kind of work in the later sort of years before uh and right around when i moved away from there he got really into a a parkour community as a another way of sort of opening up parts of his own body and like getting feeling connections um in the tai chi side of things so i I thought that was really interesting that there is he, he basically said that like to do the parkour stuff, you have to relearn sort of a lot about your body and like just redo a lot of things with your body that are much more substantial than it might look like sort of from the outside. Uh, That's amazing. I love Tai Chi. And and I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, There's something that your brain does. uh, I think when you are, it's almost like your brain sets up a little theater for operations mm-hmm. and when you're when you're doing tai chi and you get good at it you you know the edges of that um you know the boundaries of that mm-hmm. and then uh when you're doing parkour obviously you have to create a whole new theater for yourself um it's the same obviously if you're moving out of parkour into something else i mean i've mm-hmm. i occasionally do um ballet lessons and i i just feel like i'm 
on another planet. But um, uh-huh. it, it's a it's a fantastic challenge, and I think also there's something about what your brain does almost the second you step outside. Um, there's something about mm-hmm. a reevaluation of risk that that is almost entirely different whether you're inside or outside and it's not related to what you're actually doing. Um, mm-hmm. so, so I think it's important to spend a lot of time outside just to understand that um, it's the same and you, you have to take the same, um, the same approach to those things. Uh, I, I say that because I know a lot of people that have, um, that have injured themselves inside in a parkour gym or, or another sort of gymnastic gym just because your brain goes, oh, it's soft here, it must be safe, uh, uh-huh. when that's not actually the case. Oh, that's interesting. Um, you mentioned you like Tai Chi and ballet. Are there any other, like, what other sort of physical stuff do you blend into your practice? Uh, well, there's a lot of weightlifting. So um, I found that weightlifting is an important um, way to strengthen hmm. just I mean, if only because it saves time. Um, there are a lot of people <laughs> in the parkour community that are very much down the body weight um, conditioning line, and that's that's wonderful. But weightlifting means that you can do uh, more in less time, which is fantastic. Um, and I've also developed recently developed an interest in um, Scottish Highland Games, so I'm hoping to <laughs> to to move down that track a little bit. <laughs> Uh, we had we used to have a Celtic festival every year where I grew up, and it's loved watching people throw big, heavy things. Isn't it amazing? I love it. Oh, it's so primal and yeah. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it's super wonderful. Yeah. Um. Well, that's cool. So, so a lot of lifting of heavy things because you yourself are by nature a heavy thing, and you want to be able to <laughs> ascend more effectively. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Cool. So let me talk to you about the other values that you listed. I was checking out your website and stuff, and we've already talked a little bit about play um, and longevity, um, but you also mentioned on there um, inclusivity, uh, diversity, bravery, and humility. Yeah. Um, and, and we love we love humility on the show. We're big fans of epistemic humility. We're the most humbles ever around here. <laughs> um, but no, I want to talk to you first a little bit about the, um, the inclusivity and diversity side of things, because yeah. I noticed that in a lot of your material, there's a very social justice kind of element to it. Um, and I was curious how much you explicitly identify, you know, as a social justice element or organization within your community or in your materials. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 100%. We did start as a sort of reaction to some elements in uh, the existing community that we didn't feel were inclusive and we didn't feel were inclusive of us. So it's very much part mm-hmm. of our founding principle and our ethos to make parkour accessible to absolutely everyone who wants it. Um, and we've always tried. Uh, I, I also work with women of Melbourne parkour, so we have the same sort of uh, aspect um, to us there and we're very much 100% self-identified bleeding heart social justice warriors and <laughs> lefty reactionaries absolutely absolutely um uh-huh. and we have taken a very active approach to that uh because a lot of it, it happens in in all sort of communities that um people will say oh we're very inclusive we just have to people just have to show up and they'll find out and that's not mm-hmm. actually how inclusivity works because it's not taking into account the systemic um and social barriers to just showing up. Uh, a lot of people mm-hmm. 
particularly with something like parkour, have to face a lot of uh, social, cultural and personal uh, barriers just to turn up to the very first class. So it's not a matter of waiting for people to turn up. It's a matter of going to where people are and, um, and bringing it to them. How do you how do you sort of see those barriers manifest in the parkour community? Yeah, it's there's a lot of part of me. I'm a woman and I have been working with the women's community for a long time to uh try and build up a sort of gender parity um as well as uh trans and non-binary representation and one thing that we see is people, first off, may not even think of parkour as something for them uh, because the vast majority of videos you see are teenage boys, usually white. Um, and so if you can't mm-hmm. see yourself represented, you often won't even think of it as something that um, is open to you. So that's one thing we, we like to try and broaden representation for one thing. And also mm-hmm. the way that people are sort of socialized to feel connected and confident in their bodies can be wildly different and can be wildly different along um, gendered lines. So the uh, the amount of confidence, unearned confidence that, um, uh, you know, assigned male uh, people may turn up with will be in vast, um, uh, you know, vastly overrated as to what... Uh, as someone who was raised as a woman might um, might feel. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of uh, there's a lot of socialized physical literacy that uh, that may affect people when they do come to their first class or their first uh, training session. Um, and mm-hmm. and so some of that. I mean, I think a lot of parkour coaching is about. Uh, managing people's confidence and in some cases that means tamping it down a little and in some cases that means um sort of supporting them to feel more confident in their own in their own bodies i see so do you do both like women's only classes or are they all mixed uh individual or or anyone can show up kind of classes uh we do women's only classes with melbourne uh, women in Melbourne parkour. We do. We've been doing that every okay. Tuesday uh, free for um, years and years. Um, it's mm-hmm. not. It's not actually women's only. It's just women focused, and um, uh-huh. and that sort of environment is often much more supportive for people who do face issues or do face barriers. It's a much uh, more welcoming first step, and so I'll always. Um, you know, fight to the death for uh, women's only and women's focused spaces. We have mm-hmm. faced a lot of backlash and a lot of um, misunderstanding or or even anger about running women's only spaces. And yeah, I was gonna, I was wondering about that. Yeah, actually, yeah. it's uh, it's a conversation that happens all over the world a lot. Um, a lot of people really dislike. Uh, women's only or um, any sort of exclusive spaces, uh, and mm-hmm. we have to. F- it's an uphill battle, actually. It, 
is the conflict within the parkour community or like between your community and like the larger community around you? Uh, both? both. Um, I mean, we uh-huh. have had some pretty hilarious responses on, cause a lot of our organizing is done on Facebook, which means anybody can, mm-hmm. can comment. So you do get a lot of, a lot of rubbish on there. Um, but we also mm-hmm. have, uh, we've faced a lot of, um, resistance from within the parkour community. Um, and it's often along the same lines that, um, oh, well, uh, we, the community, the, the broader community is welcoming. Why don't people just show up to those? And um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a kind of lack of understanding of, of the mechanics of why people don't. Um, ideally, you know, what we would like to do is, is make a world in which we won't need those, um, those spaces, but we do now, so that's why we make them. Yeah, you mentioned that you... You, you see this as sort of an issue related to the kind of moral luck stuff that we talk about on the show all the time. Yeah. Um, and I was curious how you see the, like, the views about issues of luck within the parkour community. And also, I was curious within the Australian community. I'm, um, <laughs> my, my wife is from Australia, yeah. and I went over and I did a moral luck talk over there, which was great. And, yeah. like, I'm curious about how these luck issues play in different cultures. Yeah. I mean, one thing that strikes me is because uh, when you come to physical disciplines, no matter what you're doing, there's a lot of work involved. So um, there's everybody's gone through uh, a lot amount, a lot of strengthening and a lot of training to get to the point where they are. And often that means that they're blind to the idea that other people, even with the same amount of work, won't get to that that point, or other people are working twice, three times, whatever, harder just to just to get to a point um, similar to them. So there's an idea, a kind of, that everything, every skill you have is, is earned, where actually a lot of it is based on, um, you know, your early, your early education and um, physical literacy that was formed when you were young, you know, obviously genetics, uh, plays a huge amount of um, impact on how far you can jump. Uh, you know, stuff like also um, social class and uh, your working situation. If you have mm-hmm. if you have fifteen hours a week to train, then uh, you're obviously going to progress faster than someone who has three jobs and has to care for children. So there's a lot of. Uh, what I would say is denial of the luck involved with uh, gaining physical skills. And um, I think a maybe a devaluing of, um, of other skills as mm-hmm. well. So a lot of what I would um, uh, like to see in someone developing through parkour is a kind of emotional literacy as well. That you understand mm. what fear is, and you understand how you're how you're relating to that, and um, and some people will devalue that as part of training. Um, Do you feel like those things are are sort of more accessible to everyone, or is it? I mean, like I can imagine that there are individuals who have really bad trauma who might have a hard time with that emotional literacy kind of stuff in their own way with luck. Absolutely, um, yes, hundred percent. I um, I think there's. There's always a different level that everyone's working on um, with that. Mm-hmm. So um, people with uh, histories of, of trauma may, may be 
uh, operating, as I said before, they're, they're facing barriers to even get there the first time. So if those people are then um, made to feel that what seems to be a small jump for them or seems to be a small um you know, on the surface seems to be a small issue. If they're if they're not um, supported in the sort of truth of of their struggle, um, they're gonna they're, they're not gonna feel welcome in the community. Um, they're not gonna feel that mm-hmm. um, parkour is something that can help them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's there's uh, there's a there's luck when it comes to emotional emotional understanding as well. Yeah, and you, I mean, you mentioned in your blog, I think that that you've dealt with this personally in the sense that that part of parkour for you is working through depression in various ways. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And what, what is so great about parkour when it comes to that is it's, it's an incredibly broad um, variety of things you can do. So you can always find mm-hmm. a way to challenge yourself, but mm-hmm. the way that you challenge yourself on a particular day may well be different. Um, and I wrote in that blog about how um, there may be times when all you can do is, go for a walk and uh mm-hmm. i've been there as, as far as depression goes and and that is enough that is if if that was uh a big achievement for me on that day um then that is enough and on, on other days it may be a matter of doing a lot of uh, strength and conditioning because you want to in some way quiet your mind and that's a way to do it um and at the same time you you have to be understanding of yourself if you can't always operate on on the level mm-hmm. that that you feel you should um yeah i struggle with that part a lot i've been struggling with it a lot recently because like i'm very interested in the mindfulness work um and non-attachment and these ways of sort of being accepting and being at peace with things that that can't be changed both externally and internally yeah. um and at the same time you know i've, I've not I don't think personally dealt with severe depression in my life as an, like from the inside, but I have been in many relationships with individuals who've dealt with severe depression and so have a, a lot of connection to it as a firsthand caregiver. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's just a profoundly frustrating illness. Like it's a really, there, there's, it's so debilitating in the ability I feel like to do anything to it. Like it's more like I sort of, Think of it as more like a storm sometimes than like any kind of problem that you could actually work through. Like it's something to be weathered. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm curious if that's what your experience of it is like. And, um, you know, against the against all odds, is there any kind of consistent advice that you find to be helpful with those huh. situations? Um, I think the the storm sort of image is a good one. And and as far as that goes, I suppose my my best uh, advice for what it's worth, is to gather as much information as you can. I mean, I think I have found it much easier to weather the storms when, uh, since I've started journaling and recording and um, can notice mm-hmm. maybe uh, patterns or notice um, oncoming storms. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it is the hardest thing to do but kindness for yourself especially uh in the face of of these things it the frustration is is real and true and you you're 100 mm-hmm. on the money there um 
and kindness for yourself is is really the only way to face it i think it's it's easier said than done do you find that there are consistent patterns that you notice you mentioned that you've been sort of observing your own thoughts more like one thing maybe that can be helpful to individuals is to have other hear from other people like what are the patterns that they get caught in yeah yeah um i think tracking stuff like um sleeping and eating as well i mean it's it's silly but sometimes you may just be hungry mm-hmm. um and uh you know i've noticed that my depression can sometimes ebb and flow with my menstrual cycle as well so that might be something that people can keep in mind um for their own bodies and i think just also tracking how long a particular episode goes for helps me to to keep in, keep uh keep knowledge in the front of my mind that it's going to pass um mm-hmm. or it will ebb at some point helps for me right this this too shall pass yes (laughs) it's tried but usually a good mantra yeah 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 you know i mean i think it's it's you know try because it's what works yeah yeah so i think that makes sense and how do you tie all of this in with humility which was the other value that i mentioned earlier how does that play a role in your parkour yeah um humility is a really important value for me personally because it's about setting aside um, all of those shoulds, all of those what you think you should be doing and understanding in a in a sort of very physical way what is. So um, it can be really easy when you're faced with a jump that you know you you know air quotes should be able to do uh, to rely on that sort of sense of your own ego rather than um, the humility that might be telling you, I can't do this today. Uh, and that, for me, that humility is really setting aside uh, what you what you think you know and, and connecting with, with what is happening right, right now um, and also setting aside um, comparisons to others. Um, parkour is, is mm-hmm. by its nature a non-competitive discipline um there are competitions but um it for me it should be something that's very much uh about one's own progress uh rather than seeing that um your friend does that jump so you feel like you should be able to do it and of course ego Mm -hmm. is often that um or putting too much stock in your own ego is often the quickest route to injury um Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you're comparing yourself to others rather than understanding uh, understanding what what you can do and what your body is telling you, then um, you can push yourself past uh, what you should should be doing and into um, injury and strain. Yeah, and that makes sense, and it, it ties in the other thing that I wanted to to mention here, which was you also brought up in some of your materials um, certain mental strengths that you try to develop and I like that it's centered around flexibility, adaptability Mm -hmm. and agility um, because it seems to me that um, ego is often the thing that prevents us from being flexible and adaptable and recognizing, as you're saying, sort of the differences in, in specific circumstances. And I'm curious sort of a little to hear a little bit more about what um, mental flexibility looks like for you and how you train that in practice. Yeah. Well, one thing I'd bring up in that is um, 
well, something that we call parkour vision in a in an astonishingly unimaginative um, name. But um, uh-huh. parkour vision, yes, uh-huh. yeah. So um, after you've been training parkour for even just a few weeks, um, you'll develop what um, what we call parkour vision, which is which is basically a kind of um, flexibility in the way that you see the world around you. So it's a um, a simultaneously seeing uh, what you already see the the um, the structure of the city around you, but also a overlay of that, which is is seeing the paths that you could take through it, seeing a, uh, a mm-hmm. jump here or a climb there that you didn't see before, and in in overlaying those two across each other, you get this understanding of what is a sort of expected of you uh, of what the oppressive structures and designs around the city are doing to you, as well as a way around Uh it. Um, So there is a kind of flexibility in a mental flexibility that you, that you gain just through seeing opportunities that you didn't before for movement. Um, And that is a, is a great thing to kind of develop. So uh, you may see a handrail where previously that meant Mm -hmm. stay on the left or um, don't go here. And now it means balance on top. And that's a really, really important kind of mental flexibility. Um, Yeah, and that ties back to the, like, social justice-y stuff, it seems like, where, like, once you start to... Right, once once the Discordian in you starts to unsee the (laughs) systems, right, they all start to come crashing down. Crashing down, down. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you don't Um, want them necessarily to crash down entirely. Um, It is important to, to still you know drive on the correct side of the road but um mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. when you can understand that it is a, a um a system of control it it opens up um opens up a lot and that's that's raised another interesting question um how transgressive do y'all get in your parkour behavior do you like you know do you have thoughts about things like trespassing or you know stuff on that like do you, are you more anarchist or are you more interested in just sort of uh, giving people a comfortable space, even if that's sort of a, a, a fairly public neutral space or yeah. something like that. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And there's um, every community will have a different sort of approach to that. Um, my my interest has always been in um, in public space and reclaiming um, the, the the public arena for play. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not one for. Um, I suppose the more um, overtly transgressive uh, behavior. I, I don't do much in sort of um, urban exploration or anything like that myself. I think it's all wonderful. Um, but my focus, I'd say, is on, uh, yeah, staking a claim for the for the public space that belongs to us all and should belong to us mm-hmm. all um, equally uh, and, and making sure that... Um, that we can enjoy it and we can do do things visibly uh, hmm. uh, in public without without uh, you know facing facing behavioural uh, uh, control mechanisms that that stop us all right. from playing. Do you ever go climbing on like corporate artwork to like Fight Club style? <laughs> there are some great some great um, art pieces to climb in. Uh, in Melbourne, especially around the Docklands, which is a which is a kind of um, uh, failed social experiment—not social experiment, but um, 
it's it's sort of a rich people land uh, that's that's a bit uh, abandoned. So there's some fantastic artwork to climb on there. Interesting. Uh, are there any other places that you particularly like to climb in your area, or things like fun things to do in particular parkourish? Yeah, I mean, I would say just about every university campus I've been to in the world has some fantastic parkour mm-hmm. spots in it. So um, there are some great ones in Melbourne, but anyone who's looking for an for a place to explore in their hometown, um, university campuses are a great great place to start. Um, as a Often, like, car parks and, and places that have sort of um, handrails and, mm-hmm. and open spaces. Um, and what else? What else is great? Skate parks can be great, but obviously they're, they're, um, they're usually filled with skaters. Is there, is there any tension between those groups? Uh, no, not that, not that I've found. I'm sure there is somewhere worldwide. Okay. I'm sure someone's having sure. a throwdown right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's funny so one of the things that i want to talk about with the flexibility stuff and like especially the mindfulness kind of flexibility of um that you're um that seems interested that you seem interested in with your work Mm -hmm. um is that uh, you know there's a tension that i've been still struggling with where that how to sort of balance that flexibility and like acceptance of what is with the need to like maintain attachment to certain people or, or certain ideas. Mm -hmm. And that like the way that like being flexible can shade into being complicit. Um, I'm sort of, I'm curious about how you, how you see and deal with that kind of stuff in your experiences. Yeah. I hadn't really thought of it in those terms and it's an interesting idea. I mean, I think there's something about, Maybe having an aim that will will allow um, mm-hmm. a a sort of healthy attachment. Um, so what I mean by that is you can go, I can't do this jump today, but if I if mm-hmm. I do a lot of squats and do a lot of jumps, I will be able to do it in the future. And in that sense, it's not an entire entirely um, sort of it kind of mixes that humility with a uh aim or a or a desire and in that sense you can um mm-hmm. use it to propel you forward i suppose mm-hmm. um but that said parkour is a very very broad church and there are a lot of people that have a a practice that's very much more about um not taking that approach and and instead um a much more play focused or flow focused um, idea. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it might be an interesting sort of comparison to make with uh, with different training styles and their approach to to the problems uh-huh. of attachment. So, so you could have like a very free form kind of uh, individuals, and then ones that are sort of more goal oriented, and then yep. maybe on the farthest opposite end would be like people who are competitive about this in the way that you were describing earlier. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, it is, yeah. It's a it's a a huge sort of swath of of movement disciplines that are kind of crammed together into a under one um, under one title. So there are there's a there's a lot of different approaches to the way that um, you train mm-hmm. uh, that are you know influenced by personality and by what you enjoy. They also can be influenced by 
the city and and the mm-hmm. um, or your own particular environment as well as you know the weather um i cut my teeth in glasgow and training there is a very different kind of experience because hmm. it's wet all the time um so that has yeah. an effect on the on <laughs> on the way that you move obviously uh-huh and and i assume on what things you're allowed to try and not try yeah and, yeah um yeah that's interesting are there like parkour like like famous people who you would point to as being sort of particularly sort of positive role models versus ones that you're a little bit more um uh concerned about as as role models for individuals uh-huh. um people that i think are wonderful uh there's brandy laird who works out of um seattle there's mm-hmm. and caitlin pontrella is there as well um julie angel is doing fantastic work particularly around um positive aging and um making mm-hmm. movement accessible for people of all ages who else is great actually uh, while you're thinking about that i'm curious yeah. what what are the age ranges that you normally have in your um activities yeah this is something that we're working on um at the moment so usually it would be around um Maybe late teens to mid thirties, sort of thing. But we are very mm-hmm. much working on making that a uh, a, a much broader range. Um, obviously, we have kids classes as well, so so that's that ends covered. Kids love it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm currently working on developing a parkour for older people class, and I have an 82 year old that I'm um, working with. Uh, Arlene's fantastic, cool. and so uh, there are also. Lots of companies around the world that are doing fantastic work in that area. Mm-hmm. Parkour Dance did run a program called Forever Young in London that was for parkour for older people. PK Silver in, I believe, Carolina. Uh, sorry, PK Move run a program called PK Silver for older people. So um, mm-hmm. traditionally, it has been a young pe- person sport, but we are disciplined, but we are uh, working to change that. That's great. Yeah. So, like, what are some recommendations you have for folks who, who like, want to try parkour in their community but feel either very, very self-conscious mm-hmm. or incapable in some kind of way? Yeah. So, one thing, look at, look at all the groups in your area, if you can find them. I mean, social media is a wonderful tool for this. So, uh, mm-hmm. you, you will often be able to find, if it's a uh, women's group or a queer group, you might be able to find something in your area for training together if you can't find them in your area you can often find them online uh, and they can provide support in that way um, and that's wonderful Uh, and there are classes that are run all over the world uh, and it can be a fantastic way to start just because you're what you're doing is getting knowledge from people who have often done it the hard way so you're getting knowledge that will help avoid injury um Mm-hmm. in terms of uh, techniques and approaches. Um, so uh, finding finding classes in your area is a good way to start and um, finding groups that, that you like the value of, that you won't always be able to find them in your area because sometimes there are very small communities, but um, mm-hmm. you can often get in contact with people worldwide. Are there any things that you would sort of recommend as like, early mistakes or things maybe that you did wrong early on <laughs> that you would like try to want to warn people against um, um, we all gotta make our own mistakes i suppose yeah but. yeah i mean overtraining can be a can be a big thing early on and that's with any discipline really you get excited and um 
you know, if mm-hmm. you catch the bug, you can you can go out training too much, and it's it's really important that you give your body enough rest. Um, if you're not giving your body mm-hmm. enough rest, you are basically you you're not repairing and you're not getting stronger. So um, yeah, rest is a really important one. What other mistakes are there? I don't know. Be careful of your shins. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you have thoughts about clothing the best way to train for that um yeah we don't use any sort of protective gear just because it puts uh it it um minimizes your sensitivities um so mm-hmm. often when the the points where you might injure yourself as with anything are when you're not paying attention so if you're very tired or if you i mean i can't tell you the number of times i've i've rolled my ankle just walking home from training because i wasn't paying attention Mm -hmm. anymore so um yeah uh but as far as as uh gear goes um clothes that are comfortable and shoes we recommend the sort of the lightest shoes that you can barefoot style you want to be able to have as much um contact Mm. and touch with the ground and what you're stepping on uh so but you don't need to buy anything you can go train barefoot that's cool you don't ever worry about like glass or something? Uh no, I I've done a lot of barefoot training. Um glass, you sometimes get bits of glass in your foot. The big the, the bits that are that are big enough you can you can usually avoid. Um a barefoot style shoe will give you enough protection for um the smaller pieces of glass and anything bigger than uh-huh. that you'll be able to sort of, you know, step around. You, so by barefoot style shoe, you mean those ones with the separate toes? Is that right? Um, those are great, but also just the um, okay. the barefoot running shoes, like a Merrill Trail glove or mm. a, um, a Vivo mm-hmm. barefoot. They're just very um, very thin soles uh, with no toe lift uh-huh. and no um, no foam underneath the the heel. Hmm. Gotcha. So, in your own particular practice, is there any things that you're like? sort of working on right now like specific moves or or, or like goals that you've set that you're trying to accomplish um i am i've got a bit of a shoulder issue at the moment so i'm one of my goals is is building my strength back up in that shoulder um and i'm also working on actual flexibility like in in my um Mm -hmm. in my range of motion so that's uh i think something that i've been uh, guilty of of not focusing on enough so i'm working you know my one of my goals is to do a pancake stretch with my chest on the ground and um mm. you know i've got a few a few jumps i've got my eye on uh but mm-hmm. they're um sort of very melbourne specific so i'm not sure if it'd mean anything to you <laughs> if i told you do y'all classify jumps in different ways is it like or do you just like 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 point to specific things and that's a jump and yeah that's, that's the extent of the categories. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, uh, I've got a one of my f- friends that I love training with. She's got a great eye for a really um sort of technical jump or what I'd call a silly jump. So she she might point at something and say, "Hey, could you could you jump from that rock over that?" Um, rail and onto mm-hmm. the rock facing sideways and um, so you can always challenge yourself both in, in like sort of brute force like how far can I jump but also in terms right. of really technical challenges like can I jump sideways off a 
tricky, um, tricky takeoff. Right. Have you ever missed any jumps or had any bad wipeouts? Um, I have had, a, I've got a couple of scars on my shin bones. Um, those mm-hmm. were often from when I was doing, like trying to do uh, a lot of effectively box jumps for um, strength and conditioning. And I was trying to push myself when I was too tired and my foot slipped and uh, my shin scraped down, down the edge. Um, so, you know, now, mm-hmm. now I know better. Don't. Don't do that. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I've had a few um, slide into it, uh, into a wall basically, and, and stub the big toe. Uh, that that hurts as well. But you know, nothing. Mm-hmm. I've not had any major um, injuries with parkour. Um, I think mm-hmm. because there's so much sort of focus on awareness. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Any final thoughts that you'd want to share with folks about parkour who might be interested um, before we move to our lightning round? <laughs> um, I just want to reiterate that that parkour is for everybody. Um, you may not have seen uh, a video with someone like you in it or um, or similar, but uh, parkour is for everybody. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, so since you've heard the show before, you know how this works, but yeah. for folks who have not, um, we now enter our lightning round. Um, slightly reduced. I've, I've trimmed the fat a little bit, I think, <laughs> here. Um, I'm going to give you a list of things, and you're going to go on record as saying whether those things are real or not real. Uh, you are not allowed to hedge in any kind of way, um, though you are free to hedge afterwards as much as you would like. <laughs> I've played along several times, and I think I've changed my vote every time. So let's see how this one falls. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> let's see which version of you has shown up this time. Um, are you ready? Yes. Is your readiness ready? No. Is it real? Oh, Not God, real. terrible. Not real. <laughs> yeah, okay. Not real. All right. Good start. Um, is the external world real? Real. Okay. Colors? Not, not real. <laughs> Phenomenal consciousness? Uh, not not real. Okay. Free will? <laughs> Not real. Selves? Um, not, not real. <laughs> Gender? Not real. Mm, races? Not real. Species? <sighs> not, not real. Uh-huh, that's usually an interesting one. That's interesting. All right. Uh, morality? <laughs> Um, oof, not real. Rights? Uh, not real. Okay. Knowledge? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, all right. A little bit real. <laughs> it's real. It's real. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. 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 I'll accept it. Gods? Not real. Society? Uh... Oh, that's a tough one. Um, Everybody hates the society one. Not real. Okay. Numbers. Um, well, I know nothing about math, so not real. <laughs> Good answer, is any? Uh, holes. Uh, not real. Chairs. Not real. Sandwiches? No. <laughs> Not real. 
<laughs> Science. Uh, uh, well, I guess I said numbers, so not real. Mm, natural laws. Not real. Beauty. Not real. Causality. Oh. Real. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard one. Uh, dharmas. Uh, not real. You have made it. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, it's it's tricky every time. Yeah, how do you feel? Uh, it's real or not real? <laughs> not real. Not real. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any ones that are particularly hard for you? You feel like um, the society one. That's a tricky one. Uh, that's funny okay well thank you so much kel i really appreciate you coming on and chatting about your parkour experiences thank you um do you want to let folks know where they can find you again sure um facebook and instagram and twitter uh at melb in motion m-e-l-b-i-n-m-o-t-i-o-n um, and our website is www.melbinmotion.com. Great. Well, thank you so much and good luck out there jumping around on stuff. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much to our patrons for making this show possible. We really couldn't do this without you. Uh, special thanks to our $20 tier patrons. Jude Law's Canadian accent in Existence makes my pussy throb. Good morning, Camp Quest. Give me those sweet, sweet utils. And Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman. And thank you so very much to our still soul, but going strong, $40 tier patron, Dave Maslich. I really appreciate y'all. Um, if you'd like to support the show, please leave us a five-star rating or review on whatever podcast app you have available to you. Uh, follow us on Twitter at ETVPod. And if you can, support us financially at patreon.com slash embrace the void. And remember, you are the void and the void is you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.